Listen, I was telling my daughter the other day, she, she's been reading through the Bible, and she read all of Genesis, and she said, I read all of Genesis, Dad. You want to talk about it? So I said, all right, let's talk about it. The first thing we talked about was Adam and Eve and when they sinned. And the very first thing that they did was they didn't run to God and say, please forgive me for I sinned. They ran from God and hid, didn't they? But what did the father do? Walking through the garden in the cool of the day. You think he didn't know where they were? Yet he said, Adam, Eve, where are you? He went looking for them. Why? Because he loved them with an agape love. And he would not let them turn their back on him. He wouldn't let them do it. And so he, he chased after them. And that's what God does. He chases after us with his love. And all we have to do is then receive that love. We can keep our backs turned, but that's not his will. He'll chase you down. Amen. God is good. You have your Bibles this morning. Uh, don't put this up yet, um, sister, But because um, I'm going to read out of the New King James Version, and then we'll read out of a different version in a moment. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. We are in a series called EPH 416. EPH 416. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. This is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about connections and being connected together. And this particular verse of scripture is really the axle. I call it the axle verse. And it ties Paul's thoughts together to the church and how the church should be and how we should act and uh, what we should do and what God wants us to do. And so this verse right here is sort of a connector verse that ties his thoughts together. And so looking at it in the New King James Version, it says this, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what just a few joints supply. No, it says what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so it's important for every joint to supply. Amen? Out of the English Standard Version, it says this. You can put this one up. English Standard Version, it says, From whom the whole body, come on, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint. So the way that the body is held together is by every joint. You and I are important to holding the body together with which it is equipped, which each part is working, when each part is working what? Properly. When every part is in its place and working, not only in its place, but every part is working properly. That's when the body does what God wants it to do. That's when it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we're talking about being connected this morning. Want to know what God's will is for the church? Of course it's Matthew 28. Of course it's to uh, go out and to, to make disciples and to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course that's his will for us. But you want to know what the other part of his will is? For us to be connected together and grow in love. God's will is not for us to be stagnant. You don't plant a flower so that it just stays there. You don't plant a tree so that you just say, oh, look at that little tree. It's been that way for 10 years. It doesn't look beautiful. You plant it so that it can grow. 
And that's what God's purpose is for us, for you and I, for the church. And we talked about, a few weeks ago, told a story about bowling alone. I don't know if you remember that. And they, uh, someone did a, a survey and he uh, looked at bowling and how people, there used to be bowling leagues and people bowled together. And um, my family and I, we went bowling the other night and it reminded me of going to the bowling alley with my mom and how she was on the team and they had shirts, you know, Mike's Car Wash or something. They were sponsored and they would all, they would bowl and uh, however you did, whether you got a strike or, you know, whether you only knocked a couple pins down, you came back and you gave a high five to the other person and they said, go ahead on the net, you can get it this time. Get the spare. And everybody just had a a, a spirit of camaraderie and you were together. You were a team. But anymore, if you go to the bowling alley, it seems like a lot of people are bowling alone. And this seems to be a microcosm of what we see here, not only in America, but in the world. We're doing a lot of things alone. See, I really don't need to talk to you. Right, Sister Jody? I just text. We'll just uh, Skype. We'll we'll not even Skype because I might not really want to see you. Or I might not want you to see me. <laughs> I'll just text. I don't even want to necessarily talk to you on the phone. I'll just send you an email. I'll just do all those type of things. I know even um, in the workplace, a lot of people are telecommuting, they call it. So you're working from home. You don't even have to get out of your jammies. You just get your laptop and log into your computer at work, and then you do your work. You don't have to uh, talk to anyone. You don't have to interact. You don't go to the coffee room and talk about what happened over the weekend, your kids, uh, what's going on. None of those things. You're just at home, and the only way you talk to people is through email. No connection. Well, guess what? In the church, God demands that we have connection. He demands that we have fellowship. It is not only important, but it is necessary from whom every joint supplies. The body won't work without us connecting together. And so we talked about being alone and the the loneliness problem. And then last week we talked about some solutions that some kids had for the loneliness problem, like talking food. And your food would talk back to you and say, how are you doing today? And those type of things. Kids uh, have some, some wacky ideas sometimes. But I tell you what, if we can't come up with some ideas, they sure can. Come on, we need to connect together. We need to come up with some ways and some ideas to physically connect together. And then so now today we're going to talk briefly about connected by love. Last week we talked about being connected by community. Now we're going to talk about the thing that brings it all together, being connected by love. The most important thing, the greatest of these is what? Love. Love. And not only love, but God's love. There's a story about love, and I love to hear these stories But there's a story of love about a young lady named Marie who was uh, writing her fiancé. They had been through some problems and uh, they had broken up and and she wrote him this wonderful, uh, touching story. How many like love stories? I like love stories sometimes. Now, I don't always go to see the chick flicks, you know. I haven't seen The Vow and some of those things. But I do, I do like some love stories. I like love stories. And uh, I, really love this, I really love this story. Listen to what she writes to, uh, to her, her ex-fiance. She says, Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Talking about love this morning. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. 
So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> oh, we're talking about a human kind of love there, aren't we? Yeah, sounds so beautiful until the last little caveat there. <laughs> that's a human kind of love. Human love is not like God's love. And that's just what I want to share with you very briefly this morning. Human's love is not like God's love. Listen to some of the other versions of this scripture of, uh, of Ephesians 4.16. One version says that as each one does its part, the body grows in love. Not only love, but the God kind of love. Another version says the body's growth is promoted so that it builds itself up in love. And then grow up healthy in God. And I like this, robust in love. In other words, never lacking for love. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, we're not just talking about that sort of phileo love that Marie had for Jimmy. You know, just that love, what can you do for me? And I'll love you because you can do something for me. We're talking this morning about an agape love. This is the God kind of love. And this, saints, is how we are to be connected together. Agape love is this. It is the God kind of love that is willful, listen now, willful and directional. I willfully love you and I direct my love toward you. Not because of what you can do for me, but I am purposeful about my love toward you. That's the way God was for Adam and Eve in the garden. He was purposeful because, listen, he had told them, you can have everything in the garden. I have provided all things for you to enjoy. You have the fullness of joy. You have my presence. I speak to you audibly. I walk with you. I teach you. You lack for nothing. You don't have to till the ground. All you have to do is keep the garden. Not really hard work. There's a difference. Everything in this garden belongs to you, whatever you want, any type of fruit, vegetable, eat, whatever you want to do, enjoy yourself, except for this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, why did he keep that from them? Because they didn't need to know the difference in good and evil. All they needed to know was what God says, right? That's the way children are. As I look at little Corey here. He doesn't really need to know good from evil. He needs to know what his mother and father say. Whatever they say is good, right? And so God told them, you can have everything except for this tree, the fruit of this tree. Now, how do you think the Lord felt? Come on, parents. When he said, I gave you all of this, and the one thing that I said don't touch out of thousands of fruit in the garden, that's the one thing that you touch. The one thing. How do you think he felt? Well, I imagine if that was you or me, we would be maybe frustrated, maybe angry, disappointed, 
and even maybe ready to say, well, forget it. You know, I gave you everything. What more can I do? What more can I do? But what does he do? He pursues them. Now, there are consequences. Agape love doesn't mean there aren't consequences. Come on, talk to David. He'll tell you that. Moses didn't make it into the promised land. There's consequences, but God loves us so much that he pursues us to win us back. When the prodigal son made up his mind that I am at the end of myself, there's nothing else I can do. Dad probably won't even take me back. Their dad was waiting by the side of the road, looking every day, will today be the day that my son comes home? And when he did, he said, you're not a servant. You are still a son. All you had to do was come back. Come on, somebody. You are still a son. All you have to do is come back. That's agape love. That's that God kind of love. And so he pursued Adam and Eve, got them back, got them to change their mind and their way of thinking. This is the love that we need one for another to connect us together. It's love that knows what's best for a person, not what the person desires. Come on, that's the agape kind of love. That's the real parental love. When you allow your children to do whatever they want to do, you don't love them. You're at least not expressing love to them. What you're really doing is you're hurting them. And so this love knows what's best, not what the person desires necessarily. It is a covenant love based on commitment, come on now, not emotion. Too many of us base our love on emotion. I got hurt. I was offended. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. And so our love wavers. How much do I love you? Well, it depends on how disappointed am I with you. But you see, the agape kind of love doesn't base itself on emotion. No, it's on covenant. We have made a covenant. I've made a willful decision and purposeful action to love you. And nothing can change that. That's the agape kind of love. It is used to describe parental love or love from a spouse or a family. It is a compassionate love that is unlimited. My love won't run out for you. How many times have you disappointed me? Peter asked a question like that, remember? Well, how many times do I have to forgive? How long do I have to put up with this? How long, Lord? Come on. The boy is not going to change. I've given him 10 chances. What makes you think that he's going to change on the 11th chance? It's not going to happen, Lord. How many times do I have to forgive? Jesus' answer really was, there is no set amount. I mean, he gave him an amount, that's true, but there really is no set amount. You have to forgive like I forgave you. How many people this morning, show of hands, want to be like God in your heart? I want to be like Lord, the Lord. I want to be like you, Lord. Me too. I, I really, I mean, it's your prayer, you know, Lord, I want to be like you. God, make me more like you. What's the song, Brother Carter? Lord, I want to be like you, Lord. I want to be like you. Yeah. Jesus, I want to be like you. Lord, just make me like you. Change me. Oh, yes. Well, guess what? When you say that prayer and when you have that in your heart, when you're talking about being like the Lord, you got to think about this agape love. You got to think about what Christ gave up on the cross for you. 
if you, I'm talking about if you want to be like him. Are you going to treat others like Christ treated you and treats you? Come on, I'm talking about long-suffering. Come on, who, who, who has the Holy Spirit this morning? Come on, if you really have the Holy Spirit, I don't want to hear you speak in tongues. You know what I want to see? Fruit. Galatians 5.22. Come on, a tree is known by its fruit, right? Long-suffering. Come on, we need that, some faithfulness. You really want to be like the Lord? Well, I think we all, including me, could look in the mirror and say, listen, I need to develop this agape kind of love. Right? I need a little more long-suffering. I, I could do that. Yes, because I know people have put up with me. I know I can say that. And I know many of you can probably say that. <laughs> I certainly know I can. What is agape love? Well, C.S. Lewis put it like this. C.S. Lewis said that agape love, listen now, it is the highest level of love known to humanity. The highest level of love. It is a selfless love, a love that is, and I like this word, passionately committed to the well-being of others. Now, what I take from that C.S. Lewis definition is, number one, it is a love that is committed. It's a love that's not going to fail. My love will not fail. I know you may have disappointed me yet again, but guess what? My love doesn't fail. Again, doesn't mean there's not consequences, but my love for you is not failing. But he took it a step farther. Not only did he say it is a love that is filled with commitment, but it is passionate. I mean, I really, really care about you. I really, really care about what happens to you. And I really, really care in my heart so that when you hurt, I really, really do hurt. I don't just say I hurt. I don't just say, oh, I empathize with you so that I can get on to the next thing. But I really do empathize with you. I really do show compassion towards you. This is the agape kind of love. It is a love that places a high value on someone else. Come on, regarding them with favor and affection. It is a deliberate choice. That's what the agape kind of love is. This is the love, saints, that we have to develop if the body is going to grow. Now, if we just want to stay stagnant, if we want to stay where we are, same amount of people coming, same people doing the same thing every Sunday, every Wednesday, uh, you know, doing the same thing over and over, no growth, no passion, just sing a few songs, hear a few words, go home, eat. If we want to do that the rest of our life, then you may not need the agape kind of love. But if you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life and for this church, then this is what we have to develop. It hinges on the agape kind of love. Not human love. I'll tell you what love says to you. First, here's what human love says. Human love says this. Number one, human love says, I will love you if you love me. I will love you if you love me. Come on now. Listen, listen, I have demonstrated that. Oh yeah, people have upset me and I said, you know what, well, they don't speak to me and I won't speak to them. Fine, I, you know, I don't need it. I'm, I'm good, you know. I've said that plenty of times. <laughs> but God says, no, you can't do that. You have to go the extra mile. Not I will love you if you love me. 
The human love also says I will love you when I get something out of loving you. What do I get out of it? What is it going to do for me? The human kind of love says, I will love you, and here it is. This is what we see in in the movies today. I will love you when I feel emotionally connected to you. Oh, when I feel something in my heart for you, then I will love you. That's when I love, that's when I know I'm in love. How do you know you're in love? Oh, I just feel I'm in love. Yeah, you watch enough movies, that's what, that's what movies will teach you. I will love you when it is convenient for me. Oh, I got to go out of my way? Mm, well, not right now. I mean, get it together. Come on, you can get it together. And then next time I'll help you out. I'll listen to you next time. I really don't have time now. You know, I got some things I need to do, some important things. So I don't have time to talk on the phone right now. I don't have time to meet with you. That's what the human kind of love says. But God is urging us to get past that, to get past it, sacrifice a little. In fact, here's what the God kind of love says. Here's what it says. God kind of love says, I will love you, guess what? Even if you don't love me. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something this morning. That's easy to say amen to, but it is difficult to enact. Come on now. I know this morning it's easy to say amen. It's easy for me to preach. Oh yeah, I love you. But I tell you what, when the rubber meets the road, it's a little difficult. That's what the God kind of love says. It says, I will love you even if you don't do anything for me. Do nothing for me, but guess what? I still love you. This is the God kind of love. Think about it. What can we do for him? What can you do for God? I mean, can you give him some money? What, what can you do for him? Can you, can you take him to the store? Uh, I, I don't know. I tell you, the only thing we can do for God is to be obedient. That's what we can do for God, is to do what he tells us to do. The God kind of love says, I will love you when I feel emotionally, uh, I will love you even when I don't feel emotionally connected to you. Even when you are unlovable. Whew, that's a strong one there. You know anybody that's unlovable? Don't raise your hand. You might. Don't say any names. <laughs> I know a few people that I would call unlovable. But I love you even when you are unlovable, and I will love you even when it costs me. There's the big one. Even when it costs me time, maybe a little money. What about a little embarrassment? I remember being in high school, and I remember um, playing football and running track, and I got to be friends with a lot of the popular guys, you know, the athletes, and, uh, you know, some of those guys, and we kind of hung out together. But I didn't do all the things that they did, necessarily. And I remember also being in high school, and some of the other guys uh, befriending me, you know, some of the nerds, you know, the guys that are in science class and, you know, they're not jocks, but, uh, you know, they're not popular and they don't have the best social skills. And I remember being friends with a lot of those guys. And one day in high school, it hit me as I was hanging out, uh, with some of the more popular guys, you know, Kevin Hairston and Kenny Rankin and some of those guys, I remember their names, you know, the football stars. And I was on the football team and, you know, we were hanging out and I thought uh, I was walking with those guys. And one of the other nerds uh, saw us walking and he called out my name, you know, because we had a science project 
uh, do. And so something hit me in my mind and I thought, well, I never thought about this, but I'm with the popular guys and this nerdy science guy is calling me and now it seems like I have to make a decision. Because if I say, hey guys, I'll catch up with you later and they see me going over with this nerdy guy, that's going to be a little embarrassing. This is what was going on in my mind anyway. Because they didn't hang out. In fact, they talked about these guys. And so if I did that, it would be a little embarrassing. I might lose a little face with these guys. Something that just hadn't occurred to me until that moment. And even in high school, it was in my 11th grade year, I just got saved. It was the end of April, and I just got saved, the beginning of April, 1983. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. First time I really heard it. And said, are you willing to lose face? For me. And I said, Well, certainly, Lord, you know, I just got saved and I was fired up in the service and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was speaking in tongues, I got water baptized and everything. And yeah, of course, Lord, I would lose, I would do anything for you. He said, Well, then over there, that's me. Because what you do to the least of these, you also do to me. And then so I had to go hang out with my science friend, even though it cost me a little face. And guess what? Those guys didn't even talk about me. I was still friends with the popular guys. It didn't cost me anything, really. It was just in my mind. How many know that a lot of times just things we make up in our mind or the enemy puts into our mind, right, causes us to do things. And we make a what my grandfather used to call a mountain out of a molehill. You ever heard that? <laughs> yeah, make a mountain out of a molehill. But even if it costs you, what we need to do in order to... to uh, in order to, to connect to love with each other and to develop this agape love is first of all, we need to connect to God's amazing love ourselves. You know John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave. That is an amazing love. It's almost cliche to us in the church now, but let's not forget it. Let's not forget the cross. Let's not forget how he gave. You know, no one, who's going to, you can kill God, really, seriously. You can't kill God. He has to give his life. Even in the form of a human, they couldn't kill him unless he gave his life. And so this tells us that God's love for you is personal. Zephaniah 3.17 says like this, says this, says, The Lord God is in your midst. He is among you, the mighty one to save. Says, he rejoices over you with gladness. Says, he will quiet you with his love. And then it says, he rejoices over you. Now listen, with singing. Did you know that God sings over you? Jesus sings over you because of you? John 3.16 may as well say this. For God so loved me. For God so loved you personally. His love is personal. For God so loved you, Nia, you, Jeff, he loved you, Chris. For God so loved you, Barry. God so loved you, Dietrich. God so loved you, Becky. He so loved you, Kaylin. He so loved you, Michael. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son 
on a bloody cross. Blood flowing from his veins. It's the main ingredient. Come on. God gave it for you. John 11.5 says this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Then the Jews said, see how much he loved him. You can see it's a demonstrated agape love. He is not distant. He is not a superficial God with little interest in you. He loves you as an individual. He died for you specifically. You are the focus of his love. Secondly, God's love for you is unfailing. It does not fail. You cannot mess up enough if you'll just turn back to him. You can't mess up enough, no matter what. Oh, boy, this, oh, you don't know what I did this time. Whew, I, I, really, I really blew it this time. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't have done it, and I did it. And uh, boy, I tell you, it's, if anybody found out that I did this, guess what? God already knows, and not only that, he knew before you did it, you were going to do it. And... The kicker to that is he still loves you. Can you believe that? Because the Bible says he set his love upon us. He set his love upon us. We must understand this morning, saints, that where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. You cannot outsend the grace of God. His grace is always there if you will turn back to him. Now don't forget, while we're preaching grace, the if-then statement. If you will turn back to him. God loves you so much. It's unfailing. Psalm 33:22 says, love us, God, with all you've got. That's what we're depending on. The Amplified says, your mercy and, your, and loving kindness, O oh Lord, let it be upon us in proportion to our waiting and hoping for you. We depend on your love, God. We need it. It's not just a side benefit. We can't live without it. Psalm 52, 8 says, But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. It doesn't stop. Here's a scripture that I just absolutely love. Please listen to this. Listen to it. You might even take down the address, Isaiah 54, 10. You might jot that down and look at it later. This is, please listen to this and take it into your heart. Listen to what God says here. He says, you talk about a love poem. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet... My unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Though everything is falling down around you, great mountains be shaken, the hills be removed. Though you stand on shaky ground and you don't know how you're going to make it till tomorrow, how will I get gas money? How will I pay these bills? How is this relationship going to turn out? How will this marriage be put back together? How will I recover from this cancer that the enemy has put on me? God says, though the mountains be shaken 
and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love shall not be shaken. I love you. I have set my love upon you this morning. You are in covenant with me, God says. You are in covenant with the creator of the universe. You are in covenant with the creator of your enemy. Come on. That's who you're in covenant with this morning. I don't see how you can go any higher. (laughs) Oh, you know the CEO of all CEOs. Come on, you know the king of kings. In fact, you share the same DNA with the king of kings. Come on. And he's just not father, he's daddy. He's Abba Father. Come on this morning. He loves you with an agape love. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The face of man? I don't think so. Shall I fear the enemy? Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Bible says when we see him for who he is one day, we'll say, is this the one that brought down nations? Please. (laughs) Come on. God loves you. Also, God's love for you is unchanging. It never changes. He's not like us. (laughs) Come on. He's not like we can be sometimes. Our love can change. Oh, yeah, well, you know, if you, uh, you, you disappoint me a little bit, well, I, I don't love you quite as much. God's love never changes. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 7 says, Many waters cannot quench love. Come on. Nor can the floods drown it. I don't care what comes, it will not drown out this love that God has for you. By the way, I'm talking, I'm giving you examples of a love that we should have for each other. That's where I'm going with this, okay? Come on now. This is where we're going. Romans 8.35 says, Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who can do it? Shall tribulation? Hmm. What about distress? How about persecution? Come on. Well, famine, famine certainly. No. What about nakedness or peril or sword? Yet all, in all these things, <laughs> we are not conquerors, saints. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. We have more than overcome. More than conquerors through him who loved us. Deuteronomy 32 says, The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms of God. Listen, His kindness shall not depart from you. He loves you. And then, His love for you is unconditional. I'm talking about the agape love. It's unconditional. We have heard songs about God's love and seen movies, watched Oprah and read all these things and we think about it, we hope for it, we fantasize about some true love. But I'm here to tell you this morning that only God has the unconditional love. Only God has the God kind of love and we can only demonstrate that love through Him. If it's not Him, we cannot demonstrate it. It's got to be the God kind of love. Regardless of what you have done, he still loves you. No matter what you feel or don't feel, he still loves you. Regardless of what you believe or don't believe, he still loves you. 
The truth is that with God's love, there is nothing I need to do in order to be loved. What can you do in order to get God to love you? You have children and that baby comes out. What does that baby do? In fact, I think the baby does a few things to get you not to love him or her. <laughs> a little smell, crying. <laughs> kind of reminds me of us. But there's nothing we can do. A little story. An executive called the pastor of a metropolitan church and told the pastor that he thought his son was in his city and he was involved in the drug culture. He asked the preacher if he would try to find the boy and do something with him. About four months later, the boy was found and told the gospel. He accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. The preacher told the boy to pick up the extension and he would call his father. The preacher told the father that his son had been found and that he had accepted Jesus. The father replied, I don't care about that. I want to know how long his hair is. Has he taken a bath? Did he apologize to his old lady? The boy ran out of the study and his father never saw him again. This father's love was conditional. If you meet these requirements, I'll love you. But fortunately for us, God's love is unconditional. He loves us in spite of our sins. No matter what. He's not going to ask you how long your hair is. Thank goodness he didn't ask me that. I might not make it. He didn't ask you what clothes you're wearing. Do you love me? That's what Jesus asked Peter. He didn't say, why did you deny me? He said, do you love me? That's what God wants to know of you this morning. Do you love me? Now here it is, five things, jot these down, connecting to people with the love of God. This is how we need to connect to each other. This is how we need to have an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love, an increase of the body, an increase, all right, an edification. First of all, we need the simple things. Love people like God loves you. Number one, love people like God loves you. Now think about that for a moment. Love people like God loves you. In order to do that, you have to know how God loves you. How does he love you? Well, he gave his life. And the Bible says no greater love than a man has for for a friend than to lay down his life. And I believe that's just not talking about dying on the cross. That's talking about give up some of those things that I want to do for you. Come on, those of us who are married know about that. But all of us ought to have that. Sometimes we have to lay down our life for others. That's how God loves us. That's how he loves us. John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus said this, you know it, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, what? As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for another. I'll say this about this God kind of love. This love is not a reservoir okay it can't be stored up it can't be banked up this kind of love is an ebb and flow 
Love isn't love until it's given away. Old commission song. Love isn't love until it's given away. Otherwise, how can it be love? As I give love, I receive love. Now, fear chokes the channel, but love opens it up again. Listen to this prayer by St. Francis of Assisi. Said this. Said, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, let me sow light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be considered or consoled, rather to console, Hmm. to be understood as to understand. Not so much to seek to be love as to love. This should be our prayer. Next, love people redemptively. This is important. Love people redemptively. 1 Peter 4, he says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Love will cover it. Love people in order to bring them back. Boy, I could just, don't have time, I could just go off on that too. That's how we should love people. Not love people to show that you're right and they're wrong. That's how we do. Love people to show I'm right and you're wrong. But we should love people in order to bring them back to God. That's the purpose. It's the purpose of any correction, purpose of any proper Christian correction. Not to say, look what you've done and shun them and put them on the side. The purpose is to get them back into the fold to where God wants them to be. Love people redemptively. Redemptive love covers the wrong, takes the pain takes the blame, takes the punishment, takes the consequences. That's what Jesus did when he redeemed us. That's what it means. He went in our place. And then next, love people, here we go again, who are unlovable. This is what we have to do. When we love and respect a person, we should love and respect all of them. It does not mean that we accept everything he or she does. This is where the world gets mixed up with Christians sometimes, but I won't go off into that, especially when we talk about homosexuality and some of those other things. We love the people, or at least you should, love the person redemptively to get them back to where God wants them to be. We don't hate homosexuals, okay? But homosexuality is against God's word. Somebody who doubts that needs to read Romans chapter 1. It's very clear in other parts of the Bible, (laughs) okay? But we love the people... Because God, there's no one that you lay eyes on that God doesn't love. Everybody you see, God loves. So we need to do the same. Love looks beyond the facts and the problems. Love does not require the person to be lovable. Love just loves in spite of the person. That's what love does. That's what it does. Another story, a soldier was coming home after having fought in Vietnam. He called his parents from San Francisco. said, Mom, Dad, I'm coming home, but I have a favor to ask. I have a friend I'd like to bring home with me. 
There's something you should know about this friend. He was hurt pretty badly in the fighting. You see, he stepped on a landmine and he was hurt. He lost an arm and a leg. He has nowhere else to go and I want him to come live with us. Well, they said, I'm sorry to hear that, son. Maybe we can help find somewhere for him to live. You don't know what you're asking, really. Someone with such a handicap would be a terrible burden to us. We have our own lives to live, and we can't let something like this interfere with our lives. I think you should just come home and forget about this guy. He'll find a way to live on his own. At this point, the son son hung up the phone. The parents heard nothing else from him. A few days later, however, they received a phone call from the San Francisco police. Their son had died after falling from a building. They were told. The police believed it was suicide. The grief-stricken parents flew to San Francisco and were taken to the city morgue to identify the body of their son. They recognized him, but to their horror, they also discovered something they didn't know. Their son had only one arm and one leg. See, the son was talking about himself. And when he realized how unlovable he thought his parents uh, thought he would be, why then he just committed suicide. True story. Love the unlovable. Next, we need to love people by believing the best. Believe the best out of people. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 says, Love is patient, you know this love chapter. Love is kind, it does not envy, does not boast, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. How many can say that? Mm. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love does not react to the symptoms of behavior, but responds to the needs in people. Responds to their need. Lastly, love people who are difficult. If I treat you as you are, you will remain as you are. If I treat you as if you were what you could be, that is what you will become. Love people who are difficult. Leave you with this story this morning. This is the agape love that we need, saints, in order for us to be connected, in order for us to grow, in order for the body to grow, in order for us to grow personally in our lives. This agape kind of connected love. Listen to this last story. Leave you with this. It says this, another true story. Peter Miller, a Baptist pastor during the American Revolution, lived in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. He enjoyed the friendship of George Washington. In Ephrata also lived Michael Whitman, an evil-minded sort who did all he could to oppose and humiliate the pastor. One day, Michael Whitman was arrested for treason and sentenced to die. Peter Miller traveled 70 miles on foot to Philadelphia to plead for the life of the traitor. No, Peter, General Washington said, I cannot grant you the life of your friend. My friend, he exclaimed, 
He's the bitterest enemy that I have. What? cried Washington. You've walked 70, walked 70 miles to save the life of an enemy? That puts the matter in a different light. I'll grant your pardon. And he did. Peter Miller took Michael Whitman back home to Ephrata, no longer an enemy, but a friend. You want to win somebody over? Show them the God kind of agape love. Amen.